0: You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode the good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending, so just be warned. Magic Mike's Last Dance which came out in 2023. It was directed by Steven Soderbergh. It stars Channing Tatum, Sama Hayek, Ayub Khan-Din, Jamilia George, Juliette Mudamad, Vicky Pepperdine, Ethan Lawrence, and Kylie Shay. The genre would be romantic musical. Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do? Cause when I'm back So let's dance, the last dance. Without further ado, I give you the Visionary Artist Magic Mike. So, so let's dance the, last dance, the last dance, You're so good at this. The last dance, tonight. I want every woman that walks into this theater to feel that a woman can have whatever she wants whenever she wants. The You were a cop, right? Did you arrest her? What's your name? Kim. <laughs> Let you off with a warning, right? You walk into a movie like Magic Mike's Last Dance with specific expectations. Considering that it's helmed by one of our most consistently excellent living directors, Steven Soderbergh, you expect a well-crafted, self-aware entertainment which stays true to its genre, delves just a bit deeper into the craft driving its story, and never wears out its welcome. This is basically a let's-put-on-a-show romantic musical. And on all necessary fronts, it basically delivers. No, it's not quite at the heights of a singing in the rain or all that jazz, but let's be fair here. One of Soderbergh's key strengths has always been with easing different genres into his style. But he's not a specialist along the lines of a Bob Fosse or a Stanley Donan. It's showtime, folks. And considering that Channing Tatum is the titular Mike and the main creative force driving this particular franchise, you expect to have his lead performance be affable and charming with that specific blend of stammer and smolder which Tatum can bring. The real question is, why can you love up No one's believed in me like your mom has. Often seeming effortless in the process. You're not expecting someone who goes method and immerses himself into the character, but someone who still commands the screen, feels natural within the setting and, of course, can really dance. Guilty in all counts. Finally, we have Salma Hayek as the co-star, the romantic co-lead Max, a super wealthy, almost divorcee, who, after one special night with Mike, er, um, doing his magic, is inspired to bring him to London to take over a stage show in a posh theater that she owns, turning it into a sexy dance extravaganza. People are lumped, disconnected. We're gonna wake them up with a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hayek is now entering her third decade as an international icon, both an accomplished Oscar-nominated actress, but also a major sex symbol, who has been turning heads since her breakout in previous episode Desperado back in 95. When she is taking on a role like this, you expect her to burn up the screen, to build great chemistry with her co-star, that we won't be able to take our eyes off of her, and that we will also inevitably root for her character to find happiness. Once again, mission accomplished. These three key talents do exactly what they're being paid to do, and of course we expect them to do. This is why this movie succeeds. The dancing is on point, the romance works, and the story mostly carries through to the end. Mostly. You get a worthy follow-up to two marginally better Magic Mike films, Well, to be fair, the first one still holds up the best. I just loved that first Magic Mike from 2012, which in essence was a beat-for-beat remake of Saturday Night Fever, one of my favorite movies. Like Fever, it served as both a playful time capsule filled with memorable dance set pieces and a sneakily dark morality tale of one charismatic performer who's got all the talent to become a star but not nearly enough common sense to navigate his way through all the darkest folks around him to rise to stardom. Well, that too, the law says that you cannot touch. But I think I see a lot of lawbreakers up in this house tonight. And I don't see a cop in sight. All right? Both the original Magic Mike and Saturday Night Fever are very comparable right down to their main female love interests being played rather underwhelmingly. Now, not sure whom I would consider the more embarrassing co-star, Cody Horn or Carolyn Gorney, But for both films, they serve as the weakest parts. Which brings me to a key strength of Last Dance. Sama Hayek is a significant upgrade for romantic co-lead over those first two Magic Mike films. That includes Amber Heard in the second one. She comes off as a much more dynamic match for Mike. Though that also brings me to probably this film's biggest weakness, which is not only that she is underused towards the end of the film, but that we're introduced to a ballerina whom I'll get to in a bit. The film's ending is also a tad abrupt, and just does not quite reach the emotional levels that it seems to be going for, even though it is satisfying. Third act issues aside though, this is overall a good time filled with great dancing, and great music to accompany it. Which brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. And speaking of music, of course, we are treated to several fun 80s type montages throughout this movie, with my personal favorite being that tried-and-true staple of movies like this, the Audition Montage, where we see a variety of physics-defying male dancers strutting their stuff on stage with Hayek's Max when they're not being recruited throughout the streets of London. And this is one hell of a group of talented dancers, no joke. They are spinning, flipping, literally bouncing off the floor. And that's even before they start removing their clothes in the audition. It's all to the tune of a fast-paced ditty from 2016, Spoiler, from Belgian rapper Balogie, of whom I've never heard of before, but we'll check out more. And it's just a joyous, breezy sequence with just the right music to accompany it. Un de J'ai plaisir, des fêtes surprises Dans l'intrigue de la nuit, ouais c'est toi que je vis Spoiler, espèce On voit l'apparition aux petites heures Pour les reprises de justesse Depuis et d'excès pour les noceurs Nuisance sonore Depuis quand on part sur un dance floor Spoiler this soundtrack is just filled with bangers and delightful sequences to often accompany them. Another musical highlight for me has to be a rousing New Wave-styled anthem which closes out the movie, playing over my favorite type of closing credit sequence, where we see each major character appear on screen, often smiling right to the camera as we see who they are, always a blast. While the song is by David Holmes, who is a Northern Irish musician and composer who has also been a longtime collaborator of Soderbergh's, Holmes composed the scores for each of the Ocean's Trilogy, in addition to other memorable ones for Out of Sight and Haywire. Who knew that he also did standalone pop music? Well, I guess everyone except me. (laughs) For the past several decades, Holmes has also worked as a DJ, before releasing several solo albums incorporating trip-hop, rock, and electronic music. His contribution to this soundtrack at the end of the movie is a collaboration with vocalist Raven Violet, who seems to be a young up-and-comer who I really just could not find that much out about. But the combination of her singing and the dense instrumentation coordinated by Holmes for this track is just gorgeous. The song is called It's Over If We Run Out of Love. And now the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, back to that ballerina who I mentioned a bit earlier. We're basically introduced to her with one line of throwaway dialogue delivered by Mike right before that final performance late in the movie, which is basically, well, get me a ballerina and a plumber. (laughs) And that's pretty much it, as that is the only context we are given to her character. And what follows is a pretty jaw-dropping number of Mike and the ballerina, that's all she's called in the credits, by the way, seductively dancing with each other throughout a rain-soaked set. And I mean rain-soaked. It's meant to evoke a scene earlier in the movie where he's talking to Max in the rain. As you would expect, she steams up the stage with Mike during the climax, pun intended. And she's played by Kylie Shea, who is referred to in the credits as, like I said, just ballerina. She is given zero dialogue, and we're given the bare minimum of context for her character. All we know is that she's one hell of a dancer. She serves a key purpose for the finale, and that's it. Which is somewhat bizarre for a story which often puts so much emphasis on female empowerment. And I looked at her IMDb, and I couldn't really find much more other than she's been in a few other movies that I haven't seen, and she's roughly 37. Regardless, she leaves quite an impression, and in my opinion, just deserved a bit more acknowledgement within the movie. This brings me to the trailer moment. This is the or moment that best describes this movie. And it's still about the music. Yes, it is. Amidst a pretty strong collection of dance sequences throughout this film, the one which truly stands out from a character-based standpoint has to be between our two main leads. And even though it doesn't last particularly long, it still does not disappoint. Roughly about a third of the way into the movie, we see a nice little post-rehearsal dance party erupt on stage among the cast and crew. It's led, of course, by Max and Mike as they dance the merengue, and they are lovely to watch together. And even though Mike is clearly the more accomplished dancer, their moves complement each other perfectly, to the point where this dance feels both intimate and celebratory as everyone around them on stage cheers along and starts to join them. Now, it's almost kind of a throwaway sequence in the context of the story, but kind of not as it pretty much cements that these two belong together. Well, at least right now. The song we hear play over this number is the absurdly catchy Suavemente, performed by Elvis Crespo and remixed by Fred Perry. And the final category, which would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. It's a close call, but at the end of the day, the performer who delivers his or her best work for this film is still Magic Mike himself. These films just rely on Tatum's charisma and charm to work, and he also in essence created this character more than a decade ago based on his own life experiences. Beyond that, this role in the third movie is a bit trickier than the previous two in that the Mike character is as much of a director as a performer. And even though the screenplay makes it clear off the bat that he's likely in over his head, having never directed anything before, you kind of buy him as the ringleader for this crazy circus by the end of the movie. His overall attitude and enthusiasm for breaking the show open just becomes increasingly infectious. By the time we get to that final performance, we could even see how two of the bigger skeptics within this small circle of characters, Jamilia George, playing Max's adopted daughter, Zadie, and Ayub Khan-Din, playing Max's assistant, Victor, both giving really nice, acid performances, have also been drawn in by Mike's magic, of course, enthusiastically cheering him on. It's just that kind of movie, and you need someone at the center of it to pull everything else into his orbit. Flashdance had Jennifer Beals, Saturday Night Fever had John Travolta, Footloose had Kevin Bacon... And now for the third movie in a row, this franchise has been able to rely on Channing Tatum. As a result, he is the MVP. This does not cost that. What is this in dollars? Do you like, what he you drop a zero or? So <laughs> cute. My rating for Magic Mike's Last Dance is three and a half stars out of five. As a throwback to that 80s heyday of sillier extended music video movies like *Breakin'*, Footloose, or Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Magic Mike's Last Dance is a tad more sophisticated than those films while still delivering the goods. It also once again demonstrates how Soderbergh is still capable of nailing any genre, even the sillier ones like this. And if you're looking to watch Magic Mike's Last Dance, it's now playing in theaters. And that ends another thrusting review. Trust me on that word. Special shout-out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast, and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.